0: the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark in the 7th chapter. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on them. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, ephatha that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Everybody wants a good life, don't they? You know, we grow up dreaming about what our life is going to be, and and we have all these plans and all these directions that we want to go and the things that we want to happen. And all of us, you know, we want to have a good family life. We want to have a good income. We want to have, you know, the things that, that we define as having a good life. We want to be healthy. We want to live long, live long and prosper. (laughs) <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, okay. It's a little hard to do sometimes unless you think about it. But, yeah, that's what we all want for our lives. And so we all have these dreams about what that's going to be. And, and we try to plan it out. Of course, we know things get changed and, and go different directions. But that's what we dream about. And, and I got to thinking, because I was looking at that Isaiah lesson, and I was thinking about the children of Israel. Remember when they were in slavery, and God, in a miraculous way, delivered them from that, and they were in the wilderness, but he had given them a promise that he was going to bring them to a land of milk and honey. Okay, That was the dream. So they dreamt about what that was going to be like when they were able to go into that place, into that land, and and life was going to be good and god was going to take care of them and so then it happened and they got to that place and they went across and so they were doing the things that god told them to do sort of they didn't do them exactly the way they said but what he said but they they did for the most part and life was good and they became a really uh, well-off nation, uh, actually the power in the world kind of at that time. And God protected them and they, had, they really did have a good life. And it was almost like their dream was kind of, of a utopia, you know, where everything was just perfect and, and everybody would get along and everybody would be healthy and, and they were the healthiest nation in the world uh, of their day. But now when Isaiah writes, the children of Israel are in a little different situation. Because the northern kingdom, called Israel, had already been invaded. And so then you've got Isaiah and after him, Jeremiah, doing their ministries. And Isaiah's ministry lasted probably 60 years or so. And prophesying to Judah, the southern kingdom, about what's going to happen, and it was not good. And they saw this trouble starting to brew around them. They saw discord in the nation. They saw, uh, and of course, you know, as you have all the time, there were people that were, were sick or people that were, were lame or deaf or blind, or, and then they lived in fear not only of what was going on around them, but certainly the fear of death. I mean, nobody wants to die, so that, that was always a big thing. And they had all this going on. And, and so they're starting to think. Because, listen, I mean, listen to what, again, to what Isaiah said. He said, Be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. And He will save you. And the eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped, lame leap, leap like a deer. The mute tongue shout for joy. And even the desert, waters will gush forth, streams in the desert. And the burning sand will become a pool, not just a mirage. Thirsty ground, bubbling springs, that's the utopia that they were looking for. But they didn't see that around them. They didn't see it anywhere because life wasn't that way and their nation wasn't that way. And so they're probably thinking, thinking, all right, where is he? So, where is God? So, when is he going to do this? And, and things from this point when Isaiah prophesied only got worse because later on Judah got carried off into captivity in Babylon and then when that whole era was over, the Romans came in and took over. So, now they're living under the Romans. They're under oppression. It was not easy under the Romans. Plus, they had all these other problems that were going on that are just normal to life. All this kind of stuff, where's this utopia? God says he will come, well, where is he? And they didn't know. And and the encouragement that comes from, be strong, do not fear, your God will come, only goes so far. You can only hear that so many times before you stop believing it. Before the wonder and the doubt and the fear takes over. And you get to the point, well, I just don't think it's ever going to happen. But then Jesus comes on the scene and we have the story about him healing the deaf mute, the deaf man. He had gone into a region called the Decapolis, which is ten cities on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee, kind of where Syria is now. And they were roman greek pagan cities so jesus was going into enemy territory and but they had heard something about him so they brought this man to him who was deaf and could hardly speak well that makes sense because if you're deaf especially from birth you really can't you know today there's some technology that can help people speak but not back then so it says he could he had a speech impediment well it's because he was deaf he never heard the words he didn't know what to say and so they bring him to Jesus to heal him. So Jesus takes him off by himself, and he heals him. And it's interesting to note, that it said his ears were opened and his tongue loosed and he spoke plainly. There's your clue to just how big the miracle was. Because it's not just that all of a sudden he could talk. You can only talk because you've heard things all your life. You have this language frame of reference you have all the images and the connections that go with that. That was all healed at the same time. Because the only way he could have talked and spoken words is if, if Jesus caught him up on everything that he missed because he couldn't hear. So this is, I mean, this is a major miracle when we look at it from a scientific standpoint. And so the people were amazed at this. Jesus told them, well, don't tell anybody. Oh, yeah, like that's going to work. Well, it didn't. The more he told them not to, the more they did it, which maybe was the point in the first place. But the people, in my translation it says they were overwhelmed with amazement. Overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. And then they say he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Well, they were familiar with the prophecy from Isaiah. And the deaf will hear, the mute will speak, the lame will leap, the blind will see. So maybe running through their mind is, so has God come? Is he finally here? Is this the fulfillment? And just that one act and connecting it with that prophecy all of a sudden fills them with hope. It just changes their attitude. So maybe now when they hear, hear, be strong, don't be afraid, your God will come, and maybe they say, oh, yeah, I remember when Isaiah said that. Well, here it is. Is this really it? As they started to see all that Jesus was doing and and heard about it, and some people followed him around and they saw him doing other miracles, You know, his ministry was three years long, and in the Gospels we only have a smidgen of everything that must have happened in those three years. So I'm sure they saw a lot more than we have ever heard about. But he has done everything well and brought them hope. And so think about your own life. Think about your own life and when you were in a desert place in your life. And when things weren't going right, or when there was was tragedy, or when there was illness that you had to struggle with, and things you had to go through, maybe there were were serious family issues or relationship issues. And there are times that maybe you kind of bottomed out at some point, And maybe you started to wonder, is God really there? And does he really care? Does he know I exist? I hear the promises from God that he's going to be with me. But is he really? Why can't I feel it? Why am I going through this? When's it going to end? When am I going to get out of it? Those questions, you probably have been there, and I'll bet you, those of you that have lived long enough, have probably experienced some times when somehow things just worked out, and sometimes you can't explain it. Maybe sometimes you got better from some illness or some issue that was going on that's totally unexplainable. That's happened to me. You don't think about it so much while it's happening, but when you look back on it and say, wait a minute, there's no explanation for what happened. And maybe something like that's happened to you, or maybe you've gotten through that long dry spell or that period of time when you were really doubting God, and you can look back and then say, you know, he was there. You know, he did help me get through. And and when that happens, the same thing happens to these people that saw what Jesus had done and remembered the promise, they were filled with hope again. And so then we have this hopeful outlook on, on the future, and things look better, and we start to dream again of what, our, what life is going to be and what God has in store for us. Some of you know my son just went through a long period of unemployment, and, and, it was, and we could see it that, that he was losing hope. But now he's back at work, and and I and I it was clear to me Thursday morning, um, we we're out playing golf. I do that a lot, but or when I can. But anyway, he was off that day, and so I took off from uh, where I work over there, and and we, and we went and played golf, and and it was curious. I noticed how much his attitude had changed, and how hopeful he was, and and how encouraged he was, and he was so excited Thursday. Because when we got done and he went back and cleaned up, he was going to go pick up his daughter early from daycare and have a daddy day with, with Riley, who's three. And, and, and I hadn't seen that kind of excitement in a while. That's what, when things work, around, work out, when they come around, and when God does that for us, that's the result. And we have that hope again and, and a bright outlook on, on the future. And I know that you've experienced that. And I know that you know, and if you don't, I'm telling you, that that's God keeping his promise. Keeping his promise to walk alongside you, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you're at, whether you're at a good place or a bad place right now, God is there with you. And so sometimes we cry out to our God of love, Oh God of love, save me, come to me, help me, because I'm hurting And I'm in this desert place. But sometimes then we can cry out, Oh God of love, I give you praise. Thank you for what you have done, for being with me during this. You know, we always, well, if you're a beach person, you love to be in the sand on the beach with the surf coming in. But sometimes in our lives we find ourselves on the sand in the desert. But no matter where we're at, beach or the desert God's there with us and he deserves our praise and our thanks and our attention because of his goodness because of his love now given that and knowing that that's the kind of a God that we have what do we do now what do we do especially when we're in those good times And things are going along fine. How do we respond to that? How do we react to that? Well, I think it's simple. That we share our story when we get the chance, but that we help others who are maybe not sitting on the beach but sitting in the burning sand, that we find a way to do something for them. Like I talked about in the children's sermon with children or anybody who are hurting, struggling, that are lacking in anything, that we do whatever we can, whatever we can to help, that we go out of our way, that we step out of our way, that we make some sacrifices in order to be able to help them. I think, and we, read, we heard that lesson from, uh, from James, and, but I, I'm just going to reread the last part of it because to me that sums up exactly what he's talking about. Um, He says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing, about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, faith, love, care, concern, whatever, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. We have an opportunity as children of God who have experienced God's love and God's power, and the hope that he brings when we see his blessings, we have the opportunity to be his instruments in bringing that to other people. Every one of us is in a different place in our lives, and we have different opportunities. What God encourages us to do is to look around and see the opportunities that we can actually participate in or help in, things that we can do where we're at. That's all he's asking us to do. God has been so good to us and blessed us in so many ways. And all he wants is for us to be his witnesses in sharing that with other people.